Thank you, Sue, for that prayer. Well, let me begin by uh, asking each of you a question. What is your level of contentment? How happy are you with your situation in life? Are you content with the results of the election? The tension in politics? Or how about the economy? Are you good with that? How about the progress in winning the COVID-19 battle? How content are you with the little kingdom, with the things that we see around us that are, makes us uncomfortable? Racism, lack of unity, lack of peace. How about your relationships with your family, with your friends? Are you content with that? How about your walk with God? Are you feeling good about that? Well, this is Thanksgiving week, and the key to being thankful is being content and recognizing who we are in Christ Jesus. Now, this morning we're wrapping up our study in 1 John. And one thing that we've learned over and over again from John is that we have everything that we need to be at peace. We have everything we need to be content with our lives. What we've learned from John's epistle is that by the Spirit of God, you have been invited into the life of God. If you have the Son, you have life. If you have the Son of God, you have eternal life. You can know that you know that you belong to him. We've also been invited into the light, to step out of the darkness, out of the shadows, into the light of Jesus Christ. You've been invited into the truth of God. You've been invited into the love of God. Now, this life that God calls us into is knowing that you know that you belong to God. When we have a love affair with Jesus, when we hold precious the precepts of Christ, when we love our brothers and sisters from the heart, and when we partner with the Holy Spirit to step out of the darkness into God's glorious light. In other words, to recognize and embrace the fact that you are Abba's child. And when you are Abba's child, he claims you. He names you. He sets his heart upon you. He pursues you. And he paid the ultimate price of his own precious son. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Now this we have discovered in these weeks that we've studied that what John is describing, Frederick Buechner called it this, the furious love of God. The furious, outlandish, outrageous love of God. So let's listen to, uh, when I looked at chapter 5 early in the week, I was kind of all over the place. I mean, there's a thousand directions you could go with this. But I wanted to kind of bring closure, bring a summation to this beautiful text. And so we're going to be looking at 1 John 5, verses 11 through 15, and then verse 20. This is the word of God for the people of God at Grace Community Church. 
And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. You wonder how John could make it any clearer when people are wondering about religion. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And it's about having, possessing the son of God. Verse 13, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. And then verse 20, uh, this is a beautiful verse. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because he, we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. This is God's word for God's people. Now John said it in a different way in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Jesus was speaking, and Jesus said, My Father is always at work, and so am I. So Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are constantly at work, what? Reconciling you and me to him, bringing us back to him. So what John is saying in these whole, this whole book is when we are secure in our position in Christ, when we have embraced the assurance of our salvation. If you have the Son, you have life. This changes how we view ourselves. It changes how we we view the people around us. It changes how we view our world and how we view eternity. Now, these are big kingdom issues. God's love is a surety. Your destination is guaranteed. Your place in the kingdom is is decided. You are and ever will be Abba's child. Now, with this in mind, what is your level of contentment now? See, what John is saying is that all of these circumstances that are around you, we know they're important, and we know that, but we also know they're little kingdom things. But when you recognize and understand how you've been embraced and you have been chased down by the living God and you have been anointed by the Spirit and you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, when you know all of this, it changes everything about your level of contentment because you know who you are and you know where you're going. Now, our text declares that you can know and that we are confident that he hears us and that we live in fellowship with, as John says, the one true God. So now, as John closes his letter, he says, I want to remind you of all of these things about who you are. And when you are confident in who who you are, you will have a spirit of contentment, a spirit of of peace. So I just want to look at that one beautiful word today, contentment. So let me make a couple of statements about contentment and uh, see how this ties into what John has been teaching us. The first thing is this. Contentment is priceless. It's an amazing gift. Uh, 
my maternal grandmother, Grandma Price. Um, she was born Christmas Eve, 1898. She died in 1995. She was 96 years old. But the last five years of her life, she was bedridden in a health facility. And um, she had all of her faculties. She had all of her thinking power, but she just couldn't physically do anything. And I remember talking to her. We'd, uh, Sharon and I'd go over and visit her, and uh, we just, she was such a wonderful person. She always had this sense of uh, true joy and peace around her. And uh, I would say, well, Grandma, what do you do all day? And she says, well, I listen to the radio, uh, her Christian radio station. I pray for all of my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids. She says that takes about an hour, all right? And I, I read scripture, and I just think about my heavenly Father. Now, her circumstances were awful. Physically, she couldn't move. She couldn't get out of bed. She couldn't do the things that she would normally want to do. She couldn't do any of those things. Her circumstances were so bad, but she had this joy and this peace and contentment because she knew who she was and she knew where she was going. That's what John teaches us, that we can be content because of that. Now, have you known some really, truly contented people in your life? I have. But uh, they're few and far between, aren't they? Listen to what Paul says now. Paul kind of uh, reiterates what John has been saying in uh, chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, Paul writes, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now that word there, uh, learned, means to literally get along happily. Okay? get along happily. Paul says, I've learned to get along happily with whatever circumstances I'm in. Now, this is a man who was beaten and shipwrecked and tortured and imprisoned and hated for the gospel. And he writes, I have learned in all of these situations and all of these circumstances to get along happily. Now, Paul said it in another way in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 6 to 8. Let me read you uh, those verses. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. He says great wealth is connected to contentment. Now, he's not talking about financial wealth. He's talking about the wealth of your spirit, right? So um, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into this world, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But basically what Paul was saying is that, hey, listen, when you leave this planet, you're not taking a U-Haul with, with you. You're not taking anything with you except your character and who you are in Christ Jesus. Right at the very moment, Paul says, you can get along happily. And John reminds us you can do this because you're alive in Christ, and you're part of the body of Christ, and you're forgiven, and you're heaven-bound. The richest souls on earth are Christ followers. Not a passive acceptance, oh, okay, I'll just be content, right? Not that. It's not ditching your dreams. It's not quesera, sera. It's not a lack of ambition, but living in the reality of the moment that you belong to him.
and you know where you're going. So uh, a few years ago, a few years ago, I, uh, after a sermon at Hope, I, I, I got an email from uh, one of the members of our church. His name was Mark, and I just want to read you a paragraph from that uh, email. He said, Pastor Dwayne, I wanted to let you know how much I appreciate you as my pastor. Your sermon challenged me about being grateful in spite of our circumstances. He said, that hit me really hard. I'm typically a grateful person, but having been given eternal peace in spite of my past, however, I had to evaluate my attitude on Sunday, and I realized that I was going to be grateful as soon as my back got better, (laughs) that I would be okay when I was out of pain. Thank you for pointing out that I am okay now. I've been living with gratitude all week, and I feel great. My back is killing me, but I feel great. Thanks again for your transparency. Isn't that beautiful? That is living in the moment. That is recognizing that your contentment is getting along happily. Uh, There was a, um, it's actually anonymous. Uh, No one knows who the author is, but it was a poem entitled Rocking Chair Theology. And it's looking back kind of on your life with regret. Let me me read you just a little portion of that uh, poem. When it was springtime, it was summer that I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. Somebody that wrote this was from the Midwest, obviously. (laughs) Then when it was summertime, it was fall that I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. When it was fall, it was winter that I wanted, that beautiful snow, the joy of the holiday season. And when it was winter, it was spring that I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. When I was a child, it was adulthood that I wanted, the freedom and the respect. And then when I was 20, it was 30 that I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. And then when I was middle-aged, it was 70 that I wanted to have the stability and free spirit of life. And when I retired, it was middle-aged that I wanted the peace of mind with no physical limitations. And then it wasn't until my life was over that I realized I never got what I wanted. Rocking chair theology. I, I don't want to live like that. I'm sure you're the same way. God says through Paul and through John that you don't have to live that way. Contentment is, listen, peace in the present tense. Now, we'll repeat that over and over a few times. Contentment is peace in the present tense. We are content. We are content. It is priceless. But contentment is also elusive. Let me share with you what I mean by that. Henry David Thoreau said, the mass of men live their lives in quiet desperation. People haunted by if-onlys. Uh, people that live in discontent. Benjamin Franklin asked the question, who is rich? Who is, in, who is content? Who is that? He responds, nobody. <laughs> Lacking the power to live at peace in the present tense. Now, when Paul said in Philippians 4.11 that he learned to be content, there's four Greek words for that word learned, okay? One means uh, a knowledge by direct personal experience. I was there. I experienced it, right? Uh, Another way of learning is by proximity. I heard about it. I read about it. I saw it somehow. 
Uh, another way is the knowledge gained through the five senses. I tasted, I felt, I saw, I smelled, I heard. But the word used in Philippians 4.11 is purely academic. I simply made a decision to be content. Now, I know that you don't like to hear that in a sermon because that puts the onus on you. You would much rather blame the devil or blame the person sitting next to you. But discontent is on you. I simply made a decision, Paul said, to be content. Now, Paul says this, by the way, sitting in jail, chained to two sweaty jailers, right? Uh, I'm choosing to be content. I am choosing, in spite of circumstances, to live at peace in the present tense. So um, many years ago, it was actually the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year in college. And during that summer, uh, for about two weeks, a friend and I, his name was Woody, uh, he was also a, uh, he was a college student at the time, uh, we were taking a, a truckload of goods, food, clothing, shoes, anything we could put on this big old Mack truck, down to a a family that we were supporting as missionaries. And uh, actually, it was not a family, it was the whole town. It was the town of Moctezuma, Mexico. In 1966, Moctezuma, Mexico had no electricity and uh, no paved roads, just dirt road, but, but it has this little town of several hundred people. And we were kind of supporting that team. We had missionaries that had been down there and supporting that uh, town with the best way we could. So Woody and I drove this truck full of stuff down to Moctezuma, Mexico. Now, I was a suburban kid. Our parents, my parents didn't have much money growing up, but we always had food, we always had shelter. If I wanted to go out for football, my dad would buy me football shoes. I mean, we had what we needed, right? When we got to Moctezuma, Mexico, they had nothing. They lived in these terrible little shanties. There was no doctor around. Uh, there was no medical help. I mean, dirt roads everywhere. It, it was about 150 miles south of Douglas, Arizona, and it took us hours to get there on these roads. It was just an outpost, and it was just nothing. And I remember going to these people's house. Actually, it was just a little lean-to. And um, they were so filled with joy. And they were so in love with Jesus. And they were so happy. And they had nothing. Nothing that we think is the basic minimum for contentment. They had none of that. But they were filled with joy of the Spirit of Jesus. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Contentment has nothing to do with your circumstances. It's the practicing the presence of peace in the moment. Now, we always seem to find a reason not to be content, right? Uh, I'll be content as soon as I lose 10 pounds. Or I'll be content as soon as I gain some hair. Or I'll be content as soon as I make more money. Or as soon as my wife is nicer to me. Or I have a better job. Then I will be content. Solomon had something uh, to say about that, um, about the next thing, right? Uh, now, Solomon, back in the day, uh, this is around 1200 BC, uh, Solomon was a great king, and uh, he was the richest, he was the Warren Buffett, the Bill Gates, the, the Zuckerberg of today, right? He was that, richest guy in the world. And uh, he had a thousand concubines, that's a whole different 
subject. But uh, listen to what he said in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. First, Solomon's writing, help me never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus thus insult God's holy name. I mean, how many of you have prayed, Lord, don't give me so much, right? I'll bet you've never prayed that in your life. J. Paul Getty, before he died, said, I am the most miserable person on earth. Peace in the present tense. Recognizing who we are in Christ Jesus. We are Abba's child and where we are going. Whether you live in a trash can or a palace, whether you dine at McDonald's, Mimi's, or Morton's, my contentment is something I choose. It's not linked to my circumstances. Well, this is a hard word from Paul and a hard word from John, but contentment is priceless. Contentment is elusive. But here's the good news. Contentment is possible. It's possible. Let me spell it out. And I'll do this old Sunday school trick, right? Uh, Content, it's an acrostic. Let's spell it out. The C of content, Christ is the cure. You, who are you in Christ Jesus? Let me tell you who you are in Christ Jesus. First of all, you're accepted. You can say, I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord Jesus. I have been bought with a price. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I have been adopted as Christ's chi- of God's child. I have access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven. That's who you are. But that's not all. Not only are you accepted, you are secure. I am free forever from condemnation. I am assured that all things will work together for good. I am free from any charge against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. Let me say that again. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I am established, anointed, sealed by the Holy Spirit. I am hidden with Christ in God, but that's not all. You are also significant. I am the salt and light of the earth. I am the branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am God's temple. I am a minister of reconciliation of God. I am God's co-worker. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship, and I am blessed and highly favored. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's your position in Christ. John says he's the only true God and he is eternal life. 1 John 5, 20. This is who you are. It's not about your money or your position or your job, but about the reality of your position in Christ. Christ is the cure. The next letter, O. Own the problem. Own the problem. Sherry had read, read to me part of her devotion this morning and it was, very per- it was perfect for this. Complaining, complaining is putting me in the center of the universe. Whenever you complain, you're putting you and what you want and need and believe and think and feel in the center of the universe. Own the problem. It's not about your circumstances. 
Contentment is an internal choosing. It's peace in the present tense. No relationship, no person, no amount of cash flow, none of that can make you content. Own the problem and capture that peace in the present tense. N, needs, not greeds. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. 1 Timothy 6, 7. Like I said earlier, no U-Hauls are going to heaven. Now, think of the happiest times you've been in your life. One of the happiest times Sherry and I had was when uh, we were in seminary from 1974 to 1978, North Park Theological Seminary in Chicago. And the first year, we're just trying to figure out, she worked part-time at a bookstore. I worked part-time as a youth pastor. Uh, we didn't make much money. We were paying for school as we went, paying for our apartment, etc. We had a one-year-old daughter, uh, and we didn't have any money. There was one period of time, we went three days living on oatmeal. Now, to this day, I still love oatmeal, don't I, honey? But I don't know why, but... In, <laughs> Oatmeal, that, that was it. But you know what? When we think back of those days, those are some of the happiest days of our lives. Happiest days. We were not encumbered with a lot of stuff. We didn't have a lot of stuff. We moved out in a four-by-eight trailer from San Diego to Chicago. We did not have stuff, but we had peace and contentment in the moment. It's needs, not greeds. Now, I think all of you could say honestly, I have more than I need. Think you can say that? Say it out loud with me. I have more than I need. Some of you are... Listen, do you believe that? Say it with me out loud. I have more than I need. And that is absolutely true. Now, the, the first T in content is a thankful spirit. Let the word of God speak. How grateful I am and how I praise the Lord. Philippians 4.10. Overflowing with thankfulness, Colossians 2.7. And be thankful, Colossians 3.15. Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Give thanks in all circumstances for there is God, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, is there any part of this that is ambiguous? <laughs> is there any part of this that is not easily understood? We need to be, do more than understand it. We need to embrace it. What is God saying? That we can choose to have peace in the present tense. It comes from a deep place within us, a thankful spirit. E, in content, enjoy what you have. Stop feeling guilty about what you have. Now, if you have too much, give some of, a, some of it away, right? But stop feeling guilty about what you have. Be thankful for what you have. Lighten up and enjoy it. Ecclesiastes 6.9 Better what the eye sees than the roving of the spirit of appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So I was doing uh, this young married couple counseling yesterday on Zoom and uh, talking about, you know, lasting a long time in your marriage. And uh, of course, Sherry and I are somewhat of experts. We've lasted 50 years. And um, 
And so we were talking about longevity in marriage, and one of the secrets of a longevity in marriage is you pray together, you worship together, and you serve together. That's just a little added uh, nugget for you. But what we talked about was this. How many people, when they get married, you've heard of the seven-year itch, the 10 years, you know, you know, there's this, that, you know. No. The grass is always greener where you water it. <laughs> the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is always greener where you water it. And I talked to them about what it means to serve each other, okay? So enjoy what you have. In these troubled times economically with COVID, I mean, listen to what uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything, listen, for our enjoyment. God provides us with all of these things for our enjoyment. Enjoy a great meal. Enjoy the intimacy of marriage. Enjoy a wonderful book. Yes, enjoy a Hallmark Christmas movie. Enjoy whatever you, God says, I've given this to you as a gift. So evangelical Christians are notorious for feeling guilty about what they have. Now, they don't give it away. They just feel guilty, right? So we need to stop feeling, just God, thank you for what you've given me. Peace in the present tense. The second N in content, no envy. Envy is the opposite of contentment. English poet, Philip, English poet Philip Bailey said, envy is the coal that comes hissing from the hard, hottest part of hell. Christ is the cure. No envy. It's one of the big ten, right? The big ten commandments. Avoid envy. And then finally, the last T is think eternal. This is what John has been telling us for five weeks. That if you have Christ, you have eternity. It's secure. It's locked in. It's who you are. Philippians 4, 4 and 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I told you a few weeks ago, the kingdom of God does not start when you die. The kingdom of God starts when you say yes to Jesus. The kingdom of God, Jesus said the kingdom is within us. The kingdom is around us. The kingdom begins when you say yes to Jesus, you become a child of God, and that lasts for all eternity. Eternity is now. John says it over and over again. He is, Jesus is, eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. When Jesus was talking to Mary and Martha when Lazarus was dead, uh, Martha was complaining, Jesus, I wish you had been here. You know, things would have been different. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. She says, oh, I know that if you had been here, you would have raised him from the dead. No, he said, you're missing the point. I'm not going to do resurrection life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you have me, you have resurrection and life. And then Lazarus come forth, right? I have resurrection and life. Moses asked the Lord, what's your name? He said, I am, which means literally, I am with you. The name of God, Yahweh, is I am. That's his nickname. The psalmist said it this way, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. I close with this. 
years ago when I was a pastor at uh, Lakewood Covenant Church in uh, Lakewood, Colorado, um, one of our daughter's best friend uh, was a girl by the name of Julie. And uh, Julie was very, very sick. What was it she had, honey? Cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis. Um, 16 years old, beautiful young woman, dying of cystic fibrosis. And I remember um, being with her family. She had two sisters, her mom and dad. Uh, She had been unresponsive for several hours. The doctor said, it's just a matter of time. Uh, She's going to just stop breathing uh, one of these times. So we stood around her kind of in this circle. um, And we were singing hymns and we were reading scripture. And everybody was telling Julie, even though they didn't think she could hear them, telling Julie how precious she was, how much they loved her, all of those things. And then she had been in this unresponsive state for hours. And then all of a sudden, I, I, still not, I almost had a heart attack. Julie sat bolt upright in bed. And we're all like this, you know, like, you know. And she said, she looked at her mom, she said, Mom, don't be afraid. I'm with Jesus. She didn't say, I'm going to be with Jesus. She said, I'm with Jesus. And then she kind of gently laid herself back down. And about five minutes later, she took her last breath. John is trying to get something through to each and every one of us. And it's this, I'm with you. If you have him, you have life. If you have him, you have eternity. That is the message of John. It's not in the sweet by and by, but it's right now. Mom, I'm with Jesus. And so are you. Behold what manner of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, We are so thankful for the privilege we have of being your children. We don't always act like it. We don't always recognize it, but we are Abba's children. And along with that comes this wonderful sense of contentment and peace. I know who I am, regardless of my circumstances. Even if I live like those precious people in Moctezuma, Mexico, I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. I know what eternity holds for me. And Lord, I'm so thankful as your child. And Lord, I want that thankfulness to ring true in every one of the hearts listening to this message today, that we can be content in whatever circumstance we're in, that we can practice the presence of peace in our lives, peace in the present tense. So, Father, my prayer, truly my prayer for every person, Grace Community Church, every person listening, is that they would know who they are and know where they're going. And I pray this in the precious and the holy name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen. Amen.